people. Welcome to For Real. My name is Kimberly Stewart. I'm your host and okay, I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. I can barely handle it. I'm literally bouncing in my chair, which does pose some microphone problems, so I'm going to stop. Mike Foster is on For Real today, and this is why I'm an audio hazard. I've admired Mike for a while, and so I was so stoked to meet him and his wife, Jennifer, a few months ago. And let me just tell you, a 15-minute conversation with Mike changed my life and my marriage. Not joking. I have not stopped thinking since about what Mike taught me that day, and so to have him tease out some of those ideas during this conversation was such an honor and a gift. No more words from me, okay? Because we need to hear what Mike Foster has to say. So... Get out your notebooks, friends, and listen in on my chat with author, fun therapy guru, husband, dad, entrepreneur, and mindset revolutionary, Mike Foster. Mike Foster, I am beyond ecstatic to have you on for real. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, This is a great pleasure. I am so excited about this conversation. I've been thinking about it all week. And so here we are. And I can't wait to uh, talk to you, Kim. Oh, man, I'm just so excited. Before we dive in, I'm about jumping off of my chair because I'm so excited about this conversation. So before I jump, can you tell all of our listeners about your work? Um, In fact, before we do that, how about you tell us who you spend your days with and where you spend your days? Yes. Well, actually, where I spend my days is right here in this chair, (laughs) talking with uh, clients who I work with across the country, actually around the world now, the beauty of Zoom and the internet, right? Isn't that great? Uh, To have clients all over the world. But my my work is uh, really about helping people get clear on their desires, their goals, their dreams. being clear about their past, their trauma, um, some of the inner workings of who they are. And I always just kind of describe myself as a thought partner alongside people and help them process and think and reframe things that uh, um, need reframing. And so kind of like the the official titles of my work would be I'm an executive counselor. So I work with a lot of high performers, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who really just want to make an impact in the world, which I love. I love that spirit. Um, And just coming alongside and helping them remove some of the roadblocks or the things that create a lot of resistance and unnecessary suffering in our lives. And so that's really the focus of my work. And I, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm meeting with clients. I also do workshops uh, two-day gatherings, um, and I, I just want to help people be more alive and stronger and just uh, really get to the things that uh, would bring them joy. And so I love what I do. I say I have the best job in the world, Kim. That's awesome. You do it very well. You share your home with your lovely wife, Jennifer, who I've had the pleasure to meet. Yes. Um, and then you have kiddos too, a few of them. Three? I do. I've got a 22-year-old son and a 20-year-old daughter. And uh, so we're we're kind of empty nesters, which is a great season of life, I got to mm. admit. It's, awesome. it's nice. <laughs> Jen and I are having a lot of fun. So, um, but yeah, really proud of my kids and um, really proud of my marriage too. The fact that uh, we're going on our 27th year and 
Um, I just think that's probably my, my most important work that I've done in my lifetime. Well, I've had the joy of watching you two interact and, uh, it's just always encouraging to me and to my husband, Mark, when we see folks, just even one baby step ahead of us, um, doing that really well. And you guys seem to really like each other. In addition to loving each other, you seem to like each other a lot. So I do love we that. We do. We really um, do. So Mike, not I have... all the time, by the way, I should oh, yeah. say, Kim, not <laughs> all the time do we like each other, but in general, we do like each other. <laughs> That's a good disclaimer. We don't want this to start to be Disneyland here. So let's be no. the real people. Oh, I love it. Um, I have so many questions about your most recent work, but before I go there, I have to ask you, did you always want to do this? This is a very unusual job you have, Mike. I mean, this was not part of career fair in junior high, right? And so how did you land here? Yeah, well, I think, you know, like, like all of us, our, our journeys, you know, whatever you're doing right now in your life, you're like, how did I get here? Yeah, how totally. did this all come together? And so I would say I'd fall into that category. And um, I think my passion from the very beginning, uh, even though it's had a lot of different expressions and a lot of different titles and labels to the work that I've done or my seasons of my life, it really has been just to help people. I've, I've always cared about people. Um, I've always been interested and curious about the human condition. And so whether it was sort of in traditional sort of business work and, and leading teams and, and helping build businesses, you know, that, I, that I've had in the past or the work that I'm doing today, it's really just been about um, curiosity around the human condition and um, how to help people feel safe and protected and loved. And so um, I always think about like when I die and stand before God, kind of when God asks, you know, what did you do on, on planet earth? And I, I think my answer is just going to be, I helped people be less afraid. And I think for my entire journey, it's just been helping people be less afraid. And um, so it's taken on a lot of different expressions, but that's kind of how we got here. Mm. That dovetails really beautifully into the work you're doing right now. Um, and I have told you this, Mike, off air, but I'll just say it here for the record on a microphone. A conversation with you changed my life and my marriage. Mm. I'm not going to look at you because I think I'm going to go into this full on ugly cry. Mark and I sat around a fire pit with you and Jennifer, and you walked us through this idea that absolutely changed the way that Mark and I see each other and see the world. Mm. And I'm so excited to talk about this because I really feel like what you are doing and the questions you are asking has the potential to shift, have seismic shifts in people's lives. That is mm. big time, really big time. And wow. before we kind of dig into that, I just want to know if you have always been a person who asked great questions. Uh, that's a great question. Um, and I think the answer to that is yes. And I think the reason why I've um, asked good questions is because uh, two things. I, I am deeply curious uh, and I care. And so great questions open up this whole level, this whole new realm of learning new things and discovering new things about people and what makes them tick and Yes, uh, but then also I true empathy and care for for people. So I, I believe good questions actually 
um, are the gateway to just great heart-to-heart connection. And so I've, I think I've just honed that craft over the years. I don't know if I, I didn't go to school for it, but I just kind of figured out that if you ask a good question and then listen, because that's the other part of asking questions is for you to shut up and, and hear the answer, which sometimes I, I've had to learn how to do that. Probably that's the discipline of asking questions, also listening. But um, yeah, I, I, I believe in the power of questions. I believe in the the importance of questions and what it can unlock in our lives. Hmm. I saw you do this in real time, ask great questions, listen, and then really engage in a way that was the furthest version of a pat answer. And maybe that's one of your like superpowers, because I'm assuming that you sit in that chair all day, coaching clients and asking questions. Um, and mm-hmm. we've all been in conversations like that, where we feel like, I feel like this answer to my question maybe has been rehearsed and you are not that person. And you model that not just in the conversation we had, but I even saw you with just other folks and with Jennifer that, that I think that's your, that's your heartbeat is not just to ask, but also to listen well. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm excited about what has come out of that because my guess is you've done this for a lot of years and now you've collated all of this experience of asking and listening into your newest project, which is called the seven primal questions. And I would just love for you to talk us through that framework. Yeah. Well, Kim, I mean, you really, you really nailed it. I think really what this project and what this book is all about is the years of just listening and paying attention and getting curious. And this book is really about the culmination of some themes and some uh, recurring things that I've heard from people. And I don't know how many, I I probably have talked to thousands of people uh, the past few years and and in in my lifetime and asked a lot of questions. Yeah. (laughs) And um, hopefully have taken good notes. And basically those good notes have landed now in this this book and this concept called the the primal question and the idea of the 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 book and kind of the really an exercise a framework that i take it clients and individuals through is helping them understand some of the hidden programming that is below the surface i always um share the story about you know as a kid i loved going to disneyland and one of my favorite rides at disneyland was the motorboat cruise. And it was like this little, you get to, as a kid, you, they'd put you in this boat and you get to drive all around the fantasy land lagoon, totally. which was just amazing. And I, I always thought like, as a nine-year-old kid, I'm like, I can't believe they're letting me do this. Right. Here I am driving. <laughs> no license. Boat. I can just no get license, in. Yeah. Get in, drive. And, you know, um, and, and so I love this ride. And I, I remember, you know, you go around towards the submarine ride and then you pull back and you come back and you, you dock and then you get out of your boat and let somebody else drive it. I always thought, man, I'm really good at docking and bring this boat in. I always kind of get nail it. And of course you (laughs) later on in life, you realize that, Oh my gosh, there's a, there's a track underneath the water and they're actually not letting this eight year old kid really drive this thing. Now they give you some leverage, right? You can turn a little here or there, but it's basically Utopia in the water, right? We can see the track in Utopia, but with the water motorboat cruise, you couldn't. And so the reality is, um, you know, I share that story because we have a track. 
there are things under the water of our lives that sometimes we're driving a boat and we don't realize that that there's something under the water that's actually driving um, how we see love and security and ourselves and relationships. And if we're not uh, paying attention to that track or if we're not realizing that there is something underneath the water that dictates so much of what we believe and how we operate, then really we're living at a disadvantage. And so the primal question is really about saying, let's look under the water and see uh, sort of the core fundamental idea that's driving your life. And it revolves around seven different questions. And these seven primal questions, each of us have one question that we're always trying to get answered in our life. And basically kind of that, I'll give you the spitball version of how it works is that in our childhood, in our early childhood experiences. And this is for everybody. Everybody? This is for everybody. Everybody has one. Okay. Everybody, every single person has a primal question. We all have the track. Uh, the track is under the water. Every one of us, right? Yes. Okay. We all have the track. And the track is a consist consists of um our early childhood experiences, our trauma, our hurts, um, you know, past relationships, that creates the track, right? And so what the the track is especially powerful when it comes to our relationship with our caretakers. And here's here's why. So the seven questions, there's a sequential order. And the, these are the notes. I These questions came up over and over and over again with people uh, in terms of both the research and the, the practical uh, exercise of doing this with individuals. But here are the seven questions that, and you're asking, your, your listeners, you, Kim, me, we all have one of these questions, which is our primal question. So question number one is, am I safe? Question number two is, am I secure? Question number three is, am I loved? Question number four is, am I wanted? Question number five is, am I successful? Question number six is, am I good enough? And question number seven is, does my life have purpose? And so all of us are asking one of those questions in a very real significant way. And what happened, the reason why we're asking that question is because that question went unanswered or was not made clear by our caretakers in our early childhood. What happens is we then take our primal question that didn't really get answered very well in our childhood, and then we take it into our adult life, and we continue to ask that question. So let me, let me give you my, an example for me. Um, my primal question is question number one, am I safe? Hmm. And that question, am I safe, comes from, uh, there, was, there was sexual abuse in my, my early childhood. I, uh, that was happening by a family friend. I went to my parents, shared what was going on about the abuse. And that was the only time that we talked about it. Mm. And so as a child, and this isn't, by the way, I'm so not into the blame game. Our parents are always doing the best mm -hmm. that they can. Uh, mm -hmm. No parents perfect, but this, so is the situation that happened. And so as a child, I'm now asking myself, am I safe? Because I have one adult that's hurting me 
and then my parents who aren't actually quote unquote protecting me they're not telling me like do i have to go back over to this person's house do are you is something going to be done about this are you it's just i'm lacking that communication and so now i'm wondering am i safe so now i take that question into uh, my adult life and i ask this question almost every day in almost every circumstance every relationship am i safe and so when that question is answered in the positive when our primal question is answered with the yes we're good okay whatever your primal question is when it's answered with the yes you're grounded you're feeling good life is working but the problem is is when the primal question is answered with a no Mm-hmm. or a maybe, mm-hmm. what happens is we then move into what I call the scramble. And the scramble is where we are grasping and clawing and overcompensating to try to get the, the answer back to a mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. So okay. tell me what that would look like in your particular experience. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do when you scramble? Is it a verb? Yes. I scramble? <laughs> yes. Okay. It's silly. It's silly. <laughs> Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you something really recent and a, and a bit embarrassing, but you know, we have have this thing, you know, a couple of years ago called the pandemic. I don't know yeah, if you've heard I remember, of it. Yeah, I remember. I remember it vaguely. Yes. The distant memory. It was memory. A kind, of, kind of a big deal. <laughs> and uh, for somebody who has a primal question of, am I safe? Clearly society or the world is answering no, no. right? That's a big no. Mm-hmm. And so... What I do in order to, part of my scramble is I reach for financial resources and I reach for information as a way to make me feel safe, okay? And so uh, one of the more embarrassing things that I did in the pandemic, uh, because I was in the scramble and not feeling safe, is I started selling my possessions, okay? You did. Um, and the reason I did that is because I wanted, I felt that if I had more money yeah. in my bank account, I would feel more safe, safe. Right? right? Now, the reality is in my right mind and in sort of non-scramble mode of Mike Foster, I had enough money in the bank. I, we, we were able to pay our bills. Everything was fine, but I got into that scramble and I began to do things that ultimately were sort of compromising to myself. So I'm like, selling stuff. I'm, I'm uh, spending all my time on eBay, taking photos of products and like just really in this bad place, worrying about finances at two o'clock in the morning. I'm just sort of um, kind of having this outer body experience because I don't feel safe. The other thing that I did was I learned everything possible about pandemics and COVID and viruses, because information also helps me feel safe. So should I have spent my days on the interwebs, learning every uh, conspiracy theory, every scientific study, everything out there on this virus? Probably not. not, Probably was not a good use of my time. But that's what, what happens is when we get into the scramble, we're really abandoning ourselves. We're abandoning sort of um, our best selves. And so the more that I, I can, um, live outside of the scramble, uh, the better. And so the, what that looks like is what I call living in our primal truth. 
So as long as we're living in the primal question, we live at the mercy of whatever the answer might be. So if there's a pandemic, no, Mike, you're not safe. If there's no pandemic and I'm just kind of sitting around and I've got enough money in the bank and I feel good and then I, I feel safe, then good, life works great. But as long as we're living in the question, we live at the mercy of whatever the answer might be. And that's a very sort of destabilizing, destabilizing place to, to uh, way to conduct our lives. So if we live in the primal truth, and the primal truth is really taking our primal question and turning it into a statement. So my primal question is, am I safe? But my primal truth statement is, I am safe. Mm. So my daily coaching for myself, my self-coaching is reminding myself daily that I am safe. And the more that I can occupy that space and occupy that sort of mindset, the better decisions I'm going to make, the, the more grounded I'm going to feel, the better relationships I'm going to have. Because think about this, it's like if I met everybody every client that I had or every person I met on the street and I'm, I'm not feeling safe, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem for my work. Like if I don't feel safe, I'm not going to tell my clients the truth or right. I'm not going to uh, really bring my best self to hard conversations or when there's conflict in a relationship, like I have to feel safe. I have to remind myself that I'm safe so I can step into those, those places and bring my, my gifts and talents and strengths in the best, best way. It feels like a veil. It feels like if it's not, if you're not asking these questions and answering them in a truthful way and continuing to step into that, it feels like there's a, there's a, a veil between you and what really you want to do and really the person you want to be. Exactly. That's a great way to, great way to put it. It's basically uh, keeps you from the life that you're invited into. Mm-hmm. And so if I am constantly managing my life around not feeling safe and sort of in the scramble, right? I, I'm missing a part of life that is really good and beautiful and uh, full and rich because I'm so, I'm so hyper-focused on safety. Okay. So as you're talking about eBay moments and scramble moments, you were so good to remind me when we first talked about this, um, that these questions aren't necessarily logical right now, that these are questions that you asked in an earlier time in your life. So you said you came to the point where you realized, no, I'm actually really safe. I don't need to sell the piano. I have enough money in, in the bank. Um, so talk to me about that because for our listeners, they might be thinking, well, that's not even, that doesn't even make sense to me. None of those make sense to me because the answer is this. When in fact, you say that we bring those questions from an earlier time. Yes, that's exactly right. So one of the things that I forget when I'm in the scramble, and here's a really basic one. The question got implanted when I was a little kid who was 50 pounds, had no power, no control, no say in what adults do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm carrying an imprint of a question that was a legitimate question in childhood. For okay? sure. I get it. There's no judgment on, there's never a judgment on our, our primal questions. In fact, there's nothing wrong with having a primal question. In fact, the primal question, as we'll talk about in a, in a moment, is actually a very beautiful, powerful gift that you possess. 
So the only reason, the only way a primal question can be a problem is if you're unaware of it. Okay, if you're unaware of what's underneath the water, right? Okay. So I, the only problem that I'm going to have with my primal uh, question is if I don't know what's going on, if I don't understand what's driving my scramble, okay. if I don't understand why all of a sudden I'm rushing to sell stuff on eBay, when I when I sort of spend all day on the interweb trying to find out what's going on with the pandemic, yeah. if I don't have that sort of connection that I'm making and sort of that wisdom about my inner world, then that's a problem. Right. But I can, I I always know what's going on with me. Okay. In almost everything, because it almost all, I say 99% of conflict in relationship, um, poor decisions, me when I'm abandoning myself, all comes back to our primal question. How about that? It's always about safety for me. And so if I can become aware of that, that I, that it is a, it's really my apex emotional need is really what the primal question is. It's the thing that has to be met in my life so I can uh, operate in my best self. Right. Okay? And when that emotional need goes unmet, then I'm going to do all kinds of things uh, to uh, try to scramble to get it met. Mm. It will, that our need will be met without okay. question. Okay. We will get that need met. It's a matter okay. of whether we meet it in a healthy adult way where we are empowered to um, coach ourselves and ask for the, our, what we need and communicate what we want, or we're going to live sort of quietly in our inner world, letting a kid question hmm. drive an adult life. Okay, then. I mean, this is a, this is a, <laughs> this changes everything. Um, and I want to get back to how our, our, our primal question is not um, a detriment, but actually a superpower. I want to talk about that. When you and I first talked about this, um, I was completely convinced within two seconds that I knew Mark's question. <laughs> Didn't mm, even reflect yes. on my own issues. I just went straight <laughs> to Mark and thought, "Oh, I know exactly. I know. I know what he has asked, and I know the answer." And um, much to my total shock, first of all, I was completely off with my question. I was asking the wrong question. But after 23 years of marriage, I realized that not knowing what was driving all the things not only discouraged me from really knowing Mark really well, we really could have had totally different conversations for years if I would have had the empathy that I needed to see, oh, that's why. This is why he's doing that and I'm doing this. Thanks be to God, we love each other so much and it ha we have weathered all of those differences but man, if I had just known the question, Mike, why didn't you write this in 1998? Because <laughs> that's really when I needed it. And I'm wondering, in your experience, am I alone in that? Am I, is it, is it, do you frequently see people who think either for themselves or their spouse or their person or their kids, are we asking the wrong question? Is that a root here of why you're writing about this? Because I suspect I'm not alone. I suspect I'm not the only one who's asked the wrong thing for me and for him and for people I love. One of the things that, yes, uh, you're not alone in that. And one of the things that I love about the primal question is I think 
so much of our past conversations and conflicts and even therapy, whatever we do, um, spirituality is about we're, we're trimming uh, branches of a tree when really um, we should spend our time at the roots. Because if we can understand the roots, we can have the right conversations and really, to me, minimize a lot of the nonsense. Like I, I, I use this all the time with couples and in, in couples counseling is the majority of conflict in a relationship, a marriage relationship, is when there's when your spouse is answering your primal question with a no. Okay. Now they may not even know that they're answering with a no. Sure. But that's what's going on underneath the water is you're taking whatever they're doing, whatever their action, whatever their comments, whatever decision, and you're receiving that as a no to your primal question and thus creating conflict. And so a lot of times what we'll want to do with that is, well, let's improve our communication as a couple, or let's let's get this person to change, or let's get that instead we should just be having a primal question conversation. And so one of the things I do with couples is say, okay, I do this in my own marriage. My wife, Jennifer, needs to understand how she can clearly answer my primal question with a yes. Okay. And I have to communicate to her exactly how to do that. And I also need to let her know when she's answering my primal question with a no or Mm. maybe. Mm. Because if she's not aware of that, and it's not her responsibility, by the way, to... um, guess what my primal question is or what it, you know, what imprints I have from childhood. I need to vulnerably and openly communicate that to her. And so her question, by the way, her primal question is, am I loved? And so as her husband, I want to make sure that I'm answering her primal question. Am I loved with a yes? Okay. But, but I don't, I need her to tell me how to do that. And so one of the ways that like for her answering her primal question with a yes is through listening. So I have a tendency sometimes in my marriage um, to talk and fix and, you know, uh, solve problems, but that's not what she wants. Mm -hmm. That's not love to her. Mm -hmm. Love for her is listening. So I had to actually take a class from Jennifer about her primal question (laughs) and say, okay, (laughs) um I thought this was what love looked like and um she's like no this is what love looks like love looks like listening and by the way that comes from her childhood where she's the fourth child uh her parents were kind of done with kids you know by the time she came along right and she 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 also grew up with a mom who um uh talked over her okay and those those experiences created just some a question for her am i love okay and so now she carries this as an adult and so we talk about it a lot in our relationship because we know that's the roots versus you know working on trimming the branches i'm not interested in trimming the branches Hi friends, just a quick break here to let you know about a fun resource we offer our favorite listeners. You are in that group, so you need to head over to KimberlyStewart.com to sign up for my email newsletter. Here is my solemn promise. I will not crowd your inbox. I don't believe in that, and I find it highly irritating in my own life. Second, I will not send you cat videos. 
ever. And third, I will send you updates on things I love and think you would too, like fantastic giveaways, reading recommendations of what's on my nightstand, and even what I'm wrestling up in my kitchen for all these people who live in my house and never stop eating. In short, my newsletter is what we would cover if we could just all teleport and have coffee together. Our super easy sign-up is at KimberlyStewart.com, and we will even send you a free book just for joining in. So come on over. It's a party, and we want you there. And now, back to the conversation. We've talked a little bit about safety. Am I safe? Am I loved? Um, I think my question is, does my life have purpose? Um, Mm -hmm. my parents were, are just phenomenal parents and they are parents who love Jesus a lot. And I are the push in our home just implicitly was, what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? And that is a beautiful question to ask. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know that they can answer that one for me, but boy, once I, once I figured that out, that that's what you, that that question resonated so much for me. Even since we've talked, I'm seeing how all of all of what I'm doing is filtered through that. In mm-hmm. fact, if I feel like Mark isn't paying attention to that, I'm irritable, which is hilarious. Yes. He didn't even we didn't even know these questions before a few yes. months ago. But I feel like <laughs> we're wasting time. I have a I have this, you know, frantic metronome in my head some days of am I wasting time? I realized mm-hmm. I, I think a lot about my deathbed, Mike. That's weird, apparently, mm-hmm. to some people. But to me, mm-hmm. completely natural to make a decision through the lens of, on my deathbed, what will I think about this? So yes. one of the reasons that's so helpful to me and to Mark is that now I know why it drives me bonkers if he's spending time on what I see as minutia. I thought it was because I thought he was working too much. And actually, it's because that's not legacy. That's not purpose. Mm-hmm. Somebody else mm-hmm. can do minutia. It has yes. given us an empathy for each other that we've never had before. Mm-hmm. And we are fully on each other's team. I think that's why this is so exciting to me that even two decades in, we can just have a, a deeper, more beautiful relationship because we get each other more, because we see mm-hmm. the roots instead of whatever's, you know, on the branches at a given time. I'm wondering mm, if that has, that. Ch- oh, I mean, I cannot be more grateful to you. I can't talk about it again. I'm going to cry again. Um, I would love to know, Mike, does this affect the way you parent? Mm-hmm. Yes. And here's, here's how it impacts our parenting and really every relationship that we have. And this is, this is the po- This is actually the positive part of it. So one of the things that we'll do with our primal question is we will take our own primal question and we will put it over everybody else. What yes. I mean by that is we assume that everybody else is asking our primal question. Exactly. Okay. So we, so for you, my guess is your conversations around purpose and impact and legacy and making a dent in the universe. That's what encouraging people. Oh, I'm so annoying at dinner. Like we can't ever talk about. Yes. Yes. You are correct. Yes. But that's, but listen, that's your gift. That is what you should, that is what you should be deploying into the world because it's something that you know a lot about because it's something that 
you have been internalizing your entire life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You are an expert on purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, all the ins and outs of living a life of purpose, what it looks like. It is just, again, something that you're really um, great at. For me, uh, my question is, am I safe? So I take my primal question, I put it over everybody else. And I think my relational superpower with people is helping them feel safe. No okay? question. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know, like, I didn't go to school for it. I didn't uh, go to safety university and get a <laughs> PhD in safety, but somehow people feel really safe with me. And it, it actually helps me in my counseling work and, and uh, having really vulnerable conversations and actually sitting in places where there's conflict, people feel safe with me. And so that's where the gift comes along. And so back to your parenting question, one of the things that we'll do as parents is, again, we'll take our primal question and we'll put it over everybody else. And we want to answer it. Yes. For that person. Okay. So for me, my parenting style was, I want to make sure my kids are safe. Right. I want, I want them to know that they are safe. I'm going to be very, I'm going to over index on safety. Right. For you, Kimberly, you're going to be very much about (laughs) They know that they have a purpose and there's, they can do anything that they want and they're going to, they're going to help lots of people. And you're just going to, those are the conversations that you're going to have with your kids, right? Totally. And I didn't watch you in parenting, but I just know that's probably (laughs) how you approach your kids. 1000%. Yes. Taking your primal question, putting over them and you want to answer it with a yes. And so the problem with that, and, and here's where kind of the parenting part plays out is that we don't want to just answer uh, our primal question for our kids. We want to be answering all seven of those questions for our kids. Okay, okay? well, tell me how to do that immediately. Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> um, you know, me just talking to my, my son about safety, because it's my primal question, is only uh, one seventh of the conversation or the things that I want him to know. I want him to know that he's secure. I want him to know that he's loved. I want him to know that he's wanted. I want to know that he's successful. I want him to know that he's good enough. And I want him to know that his life has purpose. Mm -hmm. And so it's a broader discussion with our kids and um, just making sure that that they're clear on all those topics, because again, the reasons why we carry our primal question is because it wasn't made clear when we were kids. Mm-hmm. It wasn't clear whether I was safe. And again, I, I love your example, Kim, of purpose because your parents are. It's not a. It's not a traumatic event that we're talking about here. Right. There isn't something that like went wrong. It's right. just it wasn't made clear. Like, well, what is it look like for me to have purpose? Okay. And so you just are wondering. And right. you keep asking and you keep doing things until you, you can answer your life has purpose, whether they, you know, say yes. And so, and that's where for you, one of the things you want to be aware of is, listen, I don't want to be running all around the world trying to, you know, uh, I don't be working 70 hours a week trying to have a life of purpose, okay? Which could easily do if you're wondering if, your life has purpose or not, okay? It's a yes or a no to that question. So for you, Kim, you want to be living each day knowing, okay, my life already has purpose. Everything I do has purpose. I, I don't have, I don't need more purpose. I'm living in purpose. And whether the, pur- if the purpose is small, medium, 
or extra large today, it's still purpose. And I don't have to scramble to get it to answer. Yes, I live in the truth that my life has purpose. That's the primal truth living, just like I am safe. So it's really just being aware of answering the question for yourself. Mm. And you don't have, you know, Kim, you don't have to do anything more for your life to have purpose. We know that. You, you, but if you're in the scramble, then that's when you begin to, to compromise yourself and overcompensate no and do question. things that are not in your best interest because you're chasing and trying to get purpose when you already possess it. So I think I, you are completely spot on. I feel like maybe you've been spying on me. And um, <laughs> I haven't, I promise. And, okay, good. <laughs> That's not safe. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, I would never do that. <laughs> um, I feel like that word chasing is a clutch word because that's, mm-hmm. I think maybe that goes with all of the questions, right? If we are, if we don't feel secure in the answer that the answer is yes to that question, whatever it is, then we're going to chase. And maybe that means a full schedule. Maybe that means disordered thinking. Maybe that means relationships that are out of whack, but I feel like that's when we do the Flintstones and we are running, 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 running to find something that's actually already. Yes. Does that sound about right? Exactly right. That, and that chasing is really just such a key component of the scramble. You know, if you feel like your life is just running, 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 chasing, 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 living in the extreme, saying yes to things that you'd want to say no to, you're just fully in the scramble. And all the chasing, all that is, is just trying to get your primal question back to a yes, because okay. somehow you feel it's been answered with a no or a maybe. Can I ask one more question with the parenting piece? Okay. Yes. Is the goal for our children to know their primal question and the, the answer and not to feel the need for the chase? Or is the goal for us not even to have to ask the question? Mm. I mean, you don't, you didn't know this when your kids were little, right? You didn't know, you didn't have this framework yet. So I'm just wondering what you're thinking about that as your kids are older. Yeah, well, um, you know, I think the goal would be is to communicate uh, clearly on each of the questions. Now, I actually believe your child will have one of these questions that feels more important than to them than okay. other questions. Okay, that's okay. Yep. And definitely, we want to lean into that and be very clear about their own primal question. But in general, good parenting means we're talking about all of the questions. Okay. You know, again, we have to remember kids, as kids, we have our own logic. We have our own perceptions. We have our own sort of stories that we tell ourselves. And no parent can overcome every single possible perception or or hidden story that a child might tell themselves. And so all we can do is be very consistent about answering all seven questions, but then also being in tuned with what is our child's primal question. And my guess is if you're a, a semi-tuned in parent, you're probably, as you think about your different kids, you can probably sense or guess what question is most important to them because they're mm-hmm. probably asking it more than ever. And they're doing behaviors and things that um, would reflect that question. So good. That's incredibly helpful. We want them to know the yes of all seven. Yes. 
Right. Exactly. But there's probably some wiring already that predisposes. Oh, that's so helpful. Mike, I just want to tell you, I'm so excited about what you're doing. I'm so grateful first for your time. And second, that you've taken the time over years to gather this for us. We don't know. I don't have your life. I don't have your work. You've been kind of the um, receiving end of a lot of stories. And I'm so grateful that you've been watching for this and watching for patterns, not just to document the data, but to help me and to help Mark and to help our listeners, because what you're doing is so important. I want to shout about it. I've already talked with people that really, I don't even know if they were as excited as I was because I inevitably start crying. Um, strangers, I've talked to strangers about your work. Mm. So I'm, I'm telling you, this thing has legs upon legs and I know you are working on a book. I wanna say that out loud. Folks, if you can go to mikefoster.tv, you'll get all the information of where Mike's going to be, um, workshops that he coordinates and hosts, um, and also the books he's written and this new book that's going to come out this summer, correct? We can pre-order right. this summertime. Yes. That's right. It is, it is almost here. I just want you to know I'll be buying in bulk. And I am, that is not blown sunshine. That is absolutely this. This book is going to change the way that people live with their families and it's going to change mm. their marriages. And I just feel like we've gotten a front row seat to something you've figured out over many years um, and you're just giving it away. And I'm just so, so, so grateful. So thank you for doing this. This is hard work that you've done. Thanks, Kim. That's really kind. And I, I, am, I am super excited about it because I, I, my greatest joy and my greatest desire is to help people get clear about what, what's going on underneath the water so they can live just a, an amazing, fulfilling life that um, is awaiting for them. So I'm excited about the, the, the book coming out. And I really am grateful that we're able to talk about it today. Oh, I forgot to ask you our questions that I ask everybody. Oh, well, we'll do that another time. Okay, I was no so worries. excited about what you were doing. Usually at the end, I ask people about books they're reading, but who cares? We just all need to read your book. That's the bottom line. <laughs> Thank you so much. Godspeed to every word and everything you're doing. I'm just such a fan. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Kim. I turned off the recorder to this conversation and immediately said out loud, that was not long enough for my liking. Mike has a way of doing that. In the same moment, he can make me feel like I have everything I need and that I want to hear more. I love his work. Didn't you love to hear from him, his heart, the love he has for Jennifer, his family, and I can't wait to read his new book, The Seven Primal Questions which he will release this summer. Pre-order this one, friends, and buy 10 extra copies for a starter pack. We'll put all the info in our show notes and you can find out where to go next. And please follow Mike Foster on social media and thank him for being on For Real. Well, this is it. This is the last episode of this season, our inaugural season. Can you believe it? I'm not going to cry, but just know I very much could. I am prone. You all have made this adventure work. And I just couldn't be more grateful. Thank you to my unparalleled producer and co-conspirator, Betsy DeGlopper, for her exceptional work and for making me sound way more professional and put together than I actually am. 
Thank you to Ann Summers and to Susie Lowe for keeping me organized and finding treasures amid the chaos. Thank you to Mark and my kids who didn't even blink when I told them about this insane idea and then started hauling in a bunch of weird AV equipment. Thank you to our mini schnauzer scout who had to spend a lot of time in his kennel during recording sessions because he has no self-control and has to bark like a maniac whenever UPS even looks in our direction. Let's work on that scout. Be better. And thank you, dear sweet listener who has let me tag along while you take a walk, do the dishes, carpool the kids, commute to and from work. Listen, I know you have a lot of options. And that you picked for real as a spot or where you spend your time, well, of course I'm crying. And thank you. Okay, we're taking a break over the summer, but we are already scheming for a really great second season, so don't go far. We've propped the door open and we will be back soon. This story is just getting started, and you are the best part of it. For real.